This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday morning, and I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 9th, episode 2221. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Coming up on today's show, Karen's got a tip about tailing. You got me. I'm going to learn about it, too. And then next up, Alex Lewis with the lowdown on what may be the ultimate endurance ride location. And Vicki Bielik stops by with some timely advice on emergency preparedness. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. I don't know what tailing is either, so I guess we're all going to learn that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I know what tailgating is. Is it like that? I like uh, I like that with endurance, I can still come up with stuff you guys have never heard about. I just know. That's true. I, you know, I know tailgating. I know that that's why we won't ride with Jennifer's dad ever in the car, because he drives two <laughs> feet from the car in front of him. But uh, other than that, that's what I... Well, we'll find out. So this is the Endurance episode. We do this the second Tuesday of every month here on Horses in the Morning. Of course, we're here five days a week. But Karen's here once a month, and we're so happy to have her. She, she drug herself out of bed climbed <laughs> over to the office and yes. drank about three cups of coffee on the way just to do today's show. It wasn't so bad. <laughs> I'm actually doing pretty good. I just you, did a tough 50 on Saturday in the heat. Yeah. Is it hot there? <laughs> Where the ride was? Yes. It was probably up, I don't know, in the 90s maybe. And a little bit humid because we are riding along a part, for part of the ride along creeks and water and stuff. Lots of technical trails, lots of climbing. We well, did let's tell everybody, thousands. you did the LaGrange Ditch 50. First of all, the LaGrange Ditch 50 sounds like it's going to be a hard ride. And that was in <laughs> Weaverville, California. Yes, Northern California in the forest. Um, lots of up and down, many, many thousands of feet of elevation, narrow switchbacky trails. So, um, Jennifer's I, favorite with cliffs on both sides. <laughs> yes, yeah. lots of uh, narrow like you're on the spine of like a ridge and it drops off on both sides for parts of it. And then other parts, it just drops off on one side. And of course I'm writing chief who can only see out of one eye. Oh, that's great. So you really got to trust your horse for these rides. You do. And he did really well. You know, he's 24 years old and, um, and my junior rode bow and he also did well. You know, we don't, usually worry about these horses on these crazy trails and stuff. They just go along and do them and they're pretty sane. And uh, we had a really good time. The trails marked well, you know, camp's a little tight. I pulled into a spot that if I had had it to do over, I would not have pulled in because when it came time to leave, I had to back up 
I had to miss tree stumps on both sides of my truck as well was very large pine trees. And so I had to back up like, you know, left, right, left, right to get weave all the way back out of these trees. I had to fold the mirrors in on my truck. It was that tight (laughs) that I wouldn't have gotten past the trees with the mirrors out. You have a gooseneck, right? Yes. Oh, because that would have been really hard with a tag along. Oh, (laughs) but I did it and I did it in a reasonable amount of time. I thought I might still so be there. So it only took you three hours? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we, um, we got up at 7.15 and I was, we were ready to, to leave all backed up by eight. And that's including packing everything up. So it was, it wasn't so bad. We, we made it out of there. And then on the way home, this is exciting. We stopped at my friend's. And picked up another horse. What? Yes. Didn't you see in my show notes? Wait, 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 wait. wait. You didn't mention that in the pre-show meeting. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Well, because you guys are supposed to read my show notes. Now I know you really don't (laughs) read them. (laughs) It's a surprise. Yes, it's just temporary. We're borrowing him for the summer while my friend recovers from pneumonia. And he's Chief's younger brother. And uh, so uh, now I've got. Well, Chief's 24. What is he, 22? He's like 10. Oh, okay. (laughs) He's like 10. It's good to see you're going a little younger. (laughs) Yes, yes. Nice horse. You know, he's not goofy or anything like that. Safe, you know, insane. So we're going to be having some fun getting him legged up and riding him along with the other two horses, which still also are happy going down the trail. So you think Chief's yep. just gonna show up at age twenty-five to the beginning of one of these trails and say just, oh the hell no, I'm not doing this again and plant his feet. I I don't think so. He loves it. Yeah. I, I, must. Think, yeah. I think if I were to leave and take the other horses and leave him home alone, he'd probably Have a like tear up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What do you mean I'm not going? Unless, of course, he's left with food. Then all bets are off because he lives. Bye, to eat. guys. <laughs> he lives to eat. It, the only thing that sucked is that on the way home, my truck started running really rough whenever we stopped or came to a, a signal or some an intersection where we had to stop. And I can't. The earliest appointment I could get to have it looked at is July 30th. Is it a diesel? It's a diesel. And that's like three weeks from now. So as soon as I'm done this morning with the show, I'm going to call and try to find a mechanic in Carson or Reno that can look at it sooner. Yeah, that you, you probably have uh, three more rides before then. Oh, my gosh. It's the last like, thing you want is going up one of these mountains to have it conk out. No kidding. You know, and I've always said to my friends all along for years, the hardest thing about the sport is to keep your rig running good. It's for well, me, it's not the never been the too, horses. That doesn't it's help. The, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. the rig. The rig is the hard part, you know, and boy, those bills can really add up when you start, you know, fixing things and well, replacing tires and, you know, just all the general maintenance on it. Well, there's certain things in life, like when you go to the dentist, you know, it's never going to be less than $400, right? It never <laughs> is less than $400. When you bring your car in it, and it needs something, it's never less than $1,000. Especially a diesel. No, yeah, a diesel especially. <laughs> it's never, I don't care what it is. It could be a broken, tiny little electrical thing, $1,000. It's <laughs> just always going to be $1,000. Yes, yeah. just like your minimum vet bill is going to be at least 
least 300 now. And the other <laughs> thing about the trucks we use is the tires are freaking expensive too. When you need new tires, it's it cost you a I fortune. Know. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then I you got to buy them for the trailer too. It's like, ugh. <laughs> I know it adds up. And I always have two spares for my trailer when I travel. And, and how many trailers have we seen going down the road with no tread left at all? I mean, there's like zero. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, I check every trip. I'm out there checking everything, tire pressures, oil, fluids. Well, we do want to get to your tra- your endurance training uh-huh. tip, but I want to, because I do read the show notes, on, like <laughs> some people, Jennifer, um, that it is your wedding anniversary, your 32nd happy anniversary. Thank you. Yes. We're going to have to figure out what we're going to do on I Thursday. Think, I think we're 31, so we were only a year behind you. Wow. Yep. Cool. I know. Where did all that time go? Yeah, you were How, you were married did that in that happen. You were married in eighty seven then, right? Yes. Yeah. We Seven eleven eighty seven. Very cool. So. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank all you. All right. All right. Well let's, let's talk, talk about, about tailing. Because I have no idea tailing. what you're talking about. Okay. First I'll describe what tailing is. Tailing is when you get off of your horse and you lengthen out your reins or you're using a long lead rope and you get behind your horse. You grab your horse by the tail, and your horse helps to pull you up a hill. Yeah, try that with Nigel sometime, Jennifer. See how that goes. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't always go well. I will admit to that. I've seen it a few times in a few different situations on rides where the horse takes off, either going too fast for the rider to keep up and they face plant, or the horse just starts eating on the side of the trail and just won't go. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I'm hungry. Yes, that'd be so that'd be my pony. I'd grab his tail and he'd go, food, plunk. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you have to practice and train your horse. I mean, some of them are going to take to doing it just during the course of an endurance ride. You get off and you, you know, you, you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And you do it. Well, it doesn't always work that way for some horses. So my advice is to get off or just to get your horse in an arena and start practicing um, basically it's almost like ground driving your horse and you can start with using one or even two long lines or reins on each side. Some of the riders like to feed the rein through their stirrup to help keep it from dropping too low on the side and start practicing driving your horse, letting them learn, you know, to stop. If, you know, jiggling the rein to give them a cue if you want them to, you know, get their head up and stop eating and move or whatever it is that's, you know, you, depending on what they're doing and what you need them to do. Um, and then as you progress with, you know, your horse learning, you know, kind of getting the idea through their head that this is what we're doing here. I'm going to be following you behind. I'm going to be pulling on, you know, on your tail. And expecting you to go where I direct you with the rain. And so you can use a long, I have a long rain that's got a rommel that slides to the end. So that gives me an extra couple of feet on my 10 foot long rain. So I've got plenty of rain. Um, other riders prefer to use um, a specially made lead line that they'll then clip to their saddle and then just unclip it. And then they can leave the rain straped over the saddle while they tail. Hmm. So, so you're just uh, obviously you're not in a wide open field you're on a single path and the horse really has no choice of where to go 
Yes, typically. And, you know, and of course, when they're an endurance ride, they're really focused on going down the trail and they're motivated. So that's why the practice is beneficial because you want your horse to obey your cues. Like if you need your horse to stop or slow down because they're trying to go too fast. But it it really can give the horse a break if you're going up really steep stuff. Um, and you want to, you know, get them used to you holding onto the tail and having the pressure back there. You don't want to wrap your horse's tail around your hand because that can cause a bad wreck if it doesn't release. Mm-hmm. Um, and Just same like thing you don't want to wrap your lead rope around your hand. Exactly. Because yeah, right. I think I've told you guys once before I was on a ride where a rider had his reins wrapped around his thumb and the horse spooked and when he came off so did his thumb and it was really awful oh man (laughs) yes so that really does happen i've seen it actually (laughs) occur so you don't want to do that you want to be safe no wrapping tails or reins or ropes around your hand tight you know you want to keep them so that if you do have to let go it will just let go and not um take something I else think with that's it. One don't of the want first to. things yes. I learned in horse, horse boyfriend school from Jennifer was the not uh-huh. wrapping the lead rope around your hand, no matter any time ever. I think exactly. that was one of the first things I learned. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And then you know, how many times have you seen pictures on, especially at Facebook where somebody did that and they, they have a broken hand, you know, because uh-huh. that's what happens. I know. Or even just a bad rope burn. That's right. bad enough just that, but I've seen how it can be far, far worse. Yeah, losing your thumb's kind of worse. Oh, gosh. I know. And I remember writing up, and I there were volunteers and people searching in the bushes. Oh, and no. I thought I thought they were looking for a thumb drive. Oh, no. I totally misunderstood. <laughs> I thought You're like, why are you worried about the thumb drive here in the forest? They're looking for a thumb drive. <laughs> oh, oh gosh i know i know so so tailing you want to be aware of your horse's body language and also if your horse is a kicker or flighty or whatever then maybe tailing isn't for you <laughs> yeah, if your horse is a kicker maybe not a good idea <laughs> not a good idea i i know people have been kicked by from tailing on rides over the years and so you want to be safe you know that's why it all comes down to training and practicing in a safe environment at home before you get out on the trail. Because, you know, when you are on an endurance ride, your horse is going to be amped up quite a bit more than they will be at home. So you need to make sure, you know, that your horse will follow your cues on direction, stopping, slowing down, that sort of thing. If the horse is stopping to eat and you give him a little swat in the bud to get moving, you want to make sure he's not going to kick you. <laughs> so... Yeah, this is this has because even if a horse spooks and takes off, you're not keeping up. Exactly. Yeah. It, you know, and that's another thing that's good to teach the horse is that if you do let go of the rein and it drops to the ground, that that's their cue to stop. Here, and I, not keep there's going. um, I saw this yesterday. This would be good. We have a couple few minutes here before our first guest, but I saw this. Let me find it. I saw this. Uh, okay, I'm bringing it up now. This was by Julie Goodnight, put this out in an article yesterday, actually. 
<clears throat> and she write she wrote the top ten qualities of a riding horse. And I thought about you because these really really apply to endurance horses. And she made it a thing. So pay, everybody listening at home, get out your paper and pencil, because you're supposed to give yourselves a point for each one of these that your horse is, and we'll see how your horse ranks as uh, the top riding horse. So here, let's let's take your two or pick one. Let's pick uh, Chief. Okay. All right. Um, and then Jennifer can play along. She can pick Nigel, and we'll see how they do. And I'll pick uh, – I have Scooter, so we'll see how we do here. Stands like a statue for the mountain dismount. Ex- perfect, yes. Oh, so Absolutely a, a requirement for me because I'm vertically challenged. And Jennifer is too. <laughs> Jennifer, Nigel gets a point for that, I think. Yes, Nigel gets a point. Didn't used to. And by the way, Scooter gets a point for that now, too. And that's an unbelievable. Good. I I can even put his cart on by myself now. I don't need help. Good. So that's because I tied him to the post, and he doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> but uh, I could didn't used to be able to do that. He would just bounce everywhere. So all, right, all of us get a point. Number two goes exactly in the direction that I ask with straightness. Well, yes, for you, Car- or you're going down the cliff. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Jennifer, exactly where you want him to go? Um, Yeah, I'm going to give him a point for that. She goes on to say, tracks exactly in a path dictated by me, never veering or avoiding or pulling me in the direction he wants to go, staying between my aids, seat, legs, hands at all times. Um, And I I think we've all seen the horses that don't do that so well. But... um, (laughs) Yeah. I think Scooter gets a half a point. Yeah, he gets a half. Sometimes he goes where he wants to go. <laughs> I think he gets a half. Um, three, goes at a speed dictated entirely by me. Scooter gets no points for that one. Um, <laughs> zero. Zero. <laughs> uh, How about Chief? Chief, yes, he's great to rate on a loose rein. Nigel gets maybe a half a point. Yeah. Nigel but, gets a half a point on that because yeah. he's great at home. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but away, not so good. <laughs> yeah, but Chief, you got to give him credit. He's been doing endurance for 18 right yeah, seasons. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's so like a he's, million miles. So He's kind of got the rating thing figured out pretty well. Um, number four is relaxed and compliant and focused on me or the task at hand or tuned out to his surrounding. Is not looking around, looking for an escape route, or distracted by other horses. Scooter gets a minus one for that one. Uh, mm. Distracted by everything. Well, it depends on what part of the ride we're on. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll give maybe we'll give Chief three quarters on this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which part is he best and worst? You know, he's actually pretty good at the start. It's. Later in the day when we're heading back to camp and he knows it. Mm. And that's when he'll get really super focused on finishing and getting back to camp. Got it. Jennifer? Uh, Well, if we're talking about at a ride, he gets a zero. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. At any point in the ride. <laughs> yeah, at any point. From the yeah, time he gets at there. At any point in the ride, it's the Kentucky Derby from from the first step. Uh, number five, yeah. performs equally well on ridden, performs equally well when ridden on a loose rein or, in, or on direct contact. In other words, collects his frame easily when asked and carries himself in collection with soft rein and light aids. Yes. I think so. Yeah. I think Chief gets a point for that one. 
Probably does. By the way, these are from Julie Goodnight, re- recent article on, on juliegoodnight.com. Jennifer Nigel on that one? Um, you know, if when I'm not at a ride, he absolutely gets a point on this one. I think we have two categories for Jennifer. We have two columns going. <laughs> Although, no, no, I take that back. I take that back. He gets a point because when he's at home, he's equally good either way. And when he's away, he's equally naughty either way. <laughs> so he gets a point. I say point. Okay, that counts. And uh, Scooter doesn't even know what collecting frames is. So I that, that I don't I don't get anything. No, you're yeah. <laughs> Number six is light and responsive to your aids. Stops off my seat and moves off my legs with complete nose to tail body control. Yes. And we had a beautiful ride Saturday because Chief just glides around all those tight switchback turns. He's so maneuverable. It was so much fun. So I'll give him a point for that one. <laughs> She's just bragging now. Uh, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> can can Nigel get extra credit for this one? Yeah, sure. We'll give him an extra half a point. Because because he, he's a giant dinosaur of a horse. And he can fly around single track with trees a half an inch away from my knees at a dead gallop. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, performs reliably in any situation and any location. Reliable? Let's define reliable. Yeah, she de- oh, this is what she says. Can perform equally well away from home or in a strange location as he does at home. Well, that's a minus one for Nigel uh, and a, and a uh, zero for Scooter and a one for Karen. Because I think so, yeah. you know, and it, Chief can be obnoxious like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Even well, at home. I think I think so, but it, yeah, I think he's going to get the point for this. Does, does he? You think? Uh, yeah, he does. He, he's the same at home as away. Yeah, you're right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. He's equally mm-hmm. distracted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number eight. Oh, God. Ignores other horses, known and unknown. Yeah, no, that's not. No. We went driving, I was telling yesterday, we went driving with Ricky Bobby. For the first time, he went driving with another cart, and Ricky Bobby's a mini, the cutest little mini ever. Aww. And uh, he stared at that horse for a half an hour. <laughs> Just <laughs> So Scooter gets a minus one for that one. Nigel's pr- gets a, again, home he's fine, away he's bad. Well, no, yeah. I'm, giving, I'm giving Nigel a point. He's yeah. getting a point on this one. Yeah, I think yeah. so too on mine. Yeah. Do you have any? Are you up to eight points already, Karen? Do you have any? Seven and a half. Nine. Tries hard when I ask, even when it's scary, physically difficult, or something he doesn't want to do. Has a seller work ethic and gets down to business, not looking for shortcuts or trying to get out of work. Depends which yeah. part of the ride. <laughs> That's a lot of the ride. Yes. Yeah. He hates, I, I think it's a gray horse thing. Chief hates culverts. Those big metal round oh, culvert yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. But he'll go over him. You know, he doesn't yeah, like to. there's something scary. It's going to eat him in there. I know. Yeah. But he can be brave when he has to be brave. <laughs> Jennifer? Nigel definitely gets a, a one on this one. Scooter does too. He, he doesn't mind street sweepers, big construction trucks. He doesn't care about that stuff. A dog running up from a fence, he's out of there. But any uh, other big scary stuff, he doesn't care. Uh, it's so funny. Has courage and curiosity is the last one. Low on flight and high on investigative behavior. Does not spin or bolt when spooked, but is willing to face and approach. Minus one for Scooter. 
So, yeah. I think Scooter used to be a minus two there. Yeah. And he has moved up to minus a minus one. one now. Oh, your so horse has courage and curiosity, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I ride him past shooting ranges and the dump with trash blowing everywhere. Um, alongside mountain bikes and motorcycles and um in fact was it friday night at the ride the town of weaverville had a fourth of july celebration with the rodeo and they were letting off all these fireworks and my horses didn't even flinch <laughs> it was just like boom 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 fireworks going like mad and they just kept eating they weren't at all even bothered at all Jennifer, so, I know you have to run to call a guest. Um, so what would you give Nigel on that one? I'm going to give Nigel a um, one and a quarter. Yeah, he is pretty. He <laughs> he's is getting bonus points. He doesn't. He, I don't know if he's ever bolted, has he? Knock on something. Um, he, when I first got him, he used to spin and try to leave town. But um, we worked hard at that. So now okay. whenever things are terrifying, we tend to just want to stop versus leave town he's really made a, it's made a huge difference yeah good good all right well there you go that was from <laughs> uh jennifer's gonna get our first guest on that was from julie goodnight you can find all of her stuff at juliegoodnight.com she writes a lot of really cool blog posts but i thought about you at this one because the 10 that she talks about here really is what makes a good endurance horse right you know and it's like just this ride i just did what it shows is that, you know, we like to laugh about our horses and make fun of them sometimes. But as far as I know, nobody on this ride got hurt. No horses fell off the trail and got injured. It just shows how really, truly amazing and athletic our horses are and that they do have brains. They're very sensible that, you know, everybody, it looked like to me, was enjoying the ride and having a really good time. And the horses kind of just do their thing and they love it. And that's what makes this sport fun. You two, you also have, you have the steps with endurance. You're start, you're not starting with a 50. You're not going out there with your horse. And the first thing he ever does is a 50. You're, you're taking him through the steps, right? Well, both of mine started on 50s, actually multi-day 50s, (laughs) (laughs) but I was already really experienced and I had already, you know, especially with Chief, I had already been working with him for a couple of years. Mm. So he was already fully legged up and he had gone on two endurance rides just to hang out and camp and, and get the basics down. But for a new rider starting out, certainly they can start out on the intro rides and start out on limited distance and, you know, work their way up um, to make sure they're comfortable and that they're, you know, feeling safe with what they're asking out of their horse to, you know, start out in the beginning doing. And, um, you know, but horses can start out at whatever distance that the rider feels comfortable doing. That's the nice thing. We do have that flexibility in the United States, whereas some other countries and FEI, they they are required to go through sometimes a qualifying process in order to move up to longer distances. Right. But we're Americans. We have to do things our own way. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're impatient. We don't want to wait. All right. We have Kristen on here who joins us every single month from Distance Depot. And good morning, Kristen. Good morning. Good morning, Karen and Glenn. So what are we talking about this month? Well, um, I believe we're talking about leg protection and medicines and poultices, all sorts of 
um, everything to do, I guess, with leg uh, protection. We have a whole page dedicated to this, so we have quite a wide variety of products um, from back-on-track therapeutic um, products, which are, you know, have hawk wraps and no-bow leg wraps, um, all designed um, to be used as preventative as well as treating injuries that the horse may have. Um, of course, ice boots that can also help um, with inflammation and, um, you know, great during a ride, of course, um, down to splint boots, fat lock boots, um, ankle boots of every shape and size and brand um, that we can think of, most of the popular brands, of course, um, and some sh- you know, shoe fly leggings, great leg protection in the summer, um, casual crusader leg guards, you know, bell boots all the way down the line. And, of course, um, if we're talking about leg protection, we have to mention um, bandages. So we have polo wraps. We have standing bandages, um, shipping boots, and pillow wraps, the, the leg quilts that go underneath the polo wraps. So if you're poulticing, um, you know, with the paper bag and the whole nine yards, um, we have wraps for that as well. And um, two really nice products, I think, um, pretty widely used by a bunch of our riders. We have um, compression wraps. If you've not heard of these, we have them on our leg protection page. We have the Equiflex sleeve, which has been out for many years and is a pretty popular product um, basically it takes the place of a standing wrap so you're not having to wrap around and around um, they slip on um, it's like a super tight sock that goes basically from mid pastern about up to the knee and this gal has worked really hard on the compression to make sure that it's the right strength mm-hmm. um, of compression for your horse and great after a ride or if you're trailering um, you know, really good product comes in fun colors and sizes for front and back. Yes, I have pink. A newer. <laughs> do you have pink? <laughs> um, they come with a plastic bag because essentially you put the plastic bag over the hoof and, of course, cover up the nails if you're shoeing. Um, and then you slip the sock on, kind of like pantyhose. You roll it down, and Glenn, you might not know about that, but you roll, roll it down. <laughs> I and, worked and at the Renaissance the Fair. I know all about that. <laughs> oh, there you yeah. go. Um, But we also have a new wrap um, made by Iron Viking and designed by an endurance rider um, in the Midwest. And she went to, she also used the Equiflex sleeve, and she designed this wrap and went to a lot of our endurance vets that that are at these rides that she sees regularly and talked to them about the compression so she could get it just right. And it might be a little bit easier to put these on and off if your horse is fussy or if you're having trouble, you know, because your horse has great big feet. Um, But it really Mm -hmm. is pretty easy to put on. She has a really nice video as to how to properly apply the wrap. It's hook and loop Velcro, so very simple, just wrap around the leg, um, and it does a great job, and we sell a bunch of these as well. So some pretty nice um, nice leg wrap options for stocking up or just trailering, uh, mm-hmm. um, any of those um, things that you might have. And what kind and of material of course, is that? I'm looking at the picture right now. Um, it's a very stretchy spandex-type material. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. So, and like I say, she went to the, you know, so she knows the length as far as, you know, how much compression it actually ap- applies. Um, 
But And both of these products are made in the USA, which is also pretty Great. nifty. Mm-hmm. Um, we always like to support those companies for sure. So some really nice, um, nice compression sleeves there. Then, of course, we have Poultice and VetWrap, Bandage Scissors, and Elasticon, you know, should you have an injury, um, and antimicrobial, there are so many things, <laughs> antimicrobial sprays and wound sprays. There's a nice product by um, Healing Tree that's antimicrobial. It works great on rain rot and scratches. And, of course, if you've not used Trail Rights ointment, um, it's a great thing, too. It works on your dog <laughs> for, like, hot spots and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it's also fabulous on scratches, and, and that's a great product. been around for years. So lots of great options there. So tell us, what is your website address and your phone number? We are www.thedistancedepot.com, and our phone number is 866-863-2349. Well, terrific. Thank you for joining us again, Kristen. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you. Have a great show. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, Bye. Kristen's been with us, I think, since we started doing this five, six years ago. Uh, yes, so most of the time. She's been with us here a long time. Yes. Uh, So I wanted to mention that if you wanted to hear past episodes of The Endurance Show, you just go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down to the middle of the page, you're going to see a little banner that's uh, there with all the other little banners that says Endurance. Click on it, and it brings up all the past episodes of The Endurance Show. Uh, So you you can find it all there. Karen, we never mentioned this till the end of the show. Let's do it right now. Where can they find your website? And you have tons of information. I do, and I'm working on, I have to fix it. I had a hosting problem, but it's my name, KarenChatton.com, and I am going to be working on it this week and starting some new posts. And uh, you have a ton of information on there about endurance. I mean, pretty much an article about everything. All all sorts of stuff. Yes. Yes. So so check that out if you want to do some reading. Uh, Just you can go back through her archives. There, as I said, is a lot of stuff there. And Karen's a little qualified. She has a few miles. Um, (laughs) All right. Our our next guest is Alex Lewis. And we have Alex on because Alex is talking about a ride she's going to do next month. She decided that uh, doing little 50-mile endurance rides wasn't enough, that she wanted to go to a foreign country, eat foreign food. Ride wild ponies and do an endurance <laughs> ride over in Mongolia. It's called the Gobi Gallop. Uh, uh, we we have uh, Alex. We have covered the Mongol Derby here f- for the last I don't know five six years on the show I- extensively, and it's so cool to see other things happening over there as well. And the Gobi Gallop is one of those things. So where are you from? You're from the Upper Northwest. I am. I'm from Duval, Washington, and it's actually the Gobi Desert Cup. So similar to the okay. Gobi Gallop as, it. as it's a fundraiser also, but it's, it's the Gobi Desert Cup. Yeah, get, and uh, Duval, Washington, now. so the beautiful <laughs> Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and you're an endurance rider. You have some Arabs, I see. I am, yeah. I have um, four lovely Arabs and, and a giant Mustang at home. <laughs> <laughs> Where, did the giant Mustang, was it one of those you saw him and said, oh, I got to take him home? And that was it. You told your husband after? It actually was. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> it was before the husband, so okay. I, didn't, I didn't have to worry uh-huh. about that part. But <laughs> Oh, and my husband does endurance also, so I, I'm one of the lucky ones who doesn't have to worry too much about the husband and the riding stuff. I can kind of 
fly under the radar and and I get a little support there instead of, wait a minute, why do you need another horse? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's tell every, I'll get back to your husband in a second, because I want to know how he feels about this. But the Gobi Desert Cup, uh, tell us what that is, how it works. Uh, The Gobi Desert Cup is a, um, it's an endurance ride in Mongolia. And we start out at one camp and we ride every morning from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And it's a 50 mile ride every day. Um, and you go through vet checks and, um, points that you have to, you know, criteria you have to meet for your horse. So it's, uh, really all about keeping your horse really, really healthy and strong through the day and kind of learning your horse and getting to know them really fast. So you can, um, understand how to best support them, um, through that whole process. And then you ride to the next camp and you camp overnight and then you get up and you do it again for another 50 miles for six days. So it's a 300-mile race um, you're, over six days. You're switching horses then every day? Is that how you do it? Yeah, that's correct. We okay. switch horses every day. So you have the one horse for the 50 miles, and then you get to learn all about the next one, the next warning, <laughs> <laughs> and take off and do it again. So we, we, you know, in the Mongol Derby, it's that's that's pretty much a free for all. This is much more organized, and is actually uh, an F. Is it an FEI event? I know they have FEI. They have FEI vets. They do have FEI vets. It's not an FEI event, okay. but they have FEI vets. And the woman Camille who puts this, um, it's a fundraiser ride actually for the uh, Mongolia Horse and No Foundation, um, which supports the families that live on the steppe to keep them out there and not have to move into the um, overcrowded, overpopulated, and um, very polluted city, um, Ulaanbaatar. And this ride, although not an FEI ride, goes by a lot of the same criteria. So your horse's pulse rate will have to come down to a resting rate, um, and they'll do lameness checks and make sure your horse is really strong and feeling good, um, or else you won't be able to continue. And then they trailer your horse and you back to camp, which is one of the greatest things I think about endurance, it's really about horse welfare. And this ride, I think, is going to showcase a lot of um, how important that is in endurance, especially for folks who are riding this, which is awesome, who have never done endurance. Um, I am, like, in awe of these people that are coming that haven't done it yet, although they probably ride as much or more than um endurance riders as well we have like a lot of people who are in jumping and um, eventing and um and in all levels of it too which is going to be fantastic but i think this ride is going to give people kind of a taste of um how to manage a horse through that distance and do it well and it's also team-based so you're on a team of four people so you get to ride together if you want if you have horses that go better in a group you'll go in a group and if not you know occasionally some of these horses are um, you know, independent and like to take off by themselves. And um, that'll be an option too. But are, are you, you the same you team structured your, much differently? Do, do you know your other team oh, members yet? I actually, I met one, um, <laughs> funny enough, um, on the AERC um, Facebook page. Uh, AERC is American Endurance Ride Conference. And um, I go to a lot of the AERC rides in our area in the Northwest um, and somebody was looking to kind of catch ride and learn about endurance. And she just happened to live a half an hour from me. And so I messaged her and said, Hey, I've got <laughs> four horses in my backyard, one at a friend's house. Do you want to come and ride? And 
So she is coming to the Gobi Desert Cup. Her name is Jennifer Sims. And um, she kind of introduced me to, I followed the Gobi Desert Cup and the Mongol Derby for a long time. I'm definitely not brave enough to do the Mongol Derby. I I do equine bodywork at home. It's one of my businesses. And so bodywork, uh, well, horse welfare is very important to me. And I'm just not sure I I can get behind getting on like completely wild horses <laughs> or what it seems like they are at the Mongol Derby and then go that distance because that's just, I think my body would hate me if I tried to do that. I think everybody but, that does so she its came body and started riding him. with me. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Yeah, that is such a very long way. <laughs> but so we started riding together and she's um she's been doing training rides with me on our Arabs and um yeah, we've I actually went and she plays polo. She just played and won the Seattle um cup, which is really cool. And cool. so I went and learned how to play polo one day with her at a one one clinic out there and that was a lot of fun. And then she's been coming out and doing rides with me and so we've get we've kind of jumped into each other's equine sports, but um, and then I also actually met another teammate who came up from Oregon for the same clinic. Um, but our friend Louis, he's in um, Africa, and I haven't met him yet, and he's our fourth. So oh, okay. that'll be fun to get out there and get to meet each other. So so you're all camping together every night, which is a definite advantage of this particular ride, too. Um, are you are you required to eat all of the things that we hear about uh, on the Mongol Derby or? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I've read I've read the fermented a bear's on, milk and um, you know, all that. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I think that that's a tradition. So I'm not sure you're going to get away from being able to, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> and I'm always down to try some new stuff, but depending on what it is. I've been to Mexico and had some interesting tacos and stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure about eating any, any foods that uh, I don't know what it is. But yeah, I we actually get um, a chef that cooks for everybody in camp every night. So they have really? catered meals. And if you that's have, nice. yeah, it's, it's yeah, since it's a fundraiser ride, you know, each person is raising or is paying um ten thousand Australian dollars to go to this ride to raise money sure. for the um Mongolia Horse and Nomad Foundation. So um I think they kind of probably went all out in terms of taking care of you so you can get through the ride healthily because I've heard some stuff about the Mongol Derby and, and other um areas of Mongolia and eating stuff that's made people sick for yeah and you know a number of days and and endurance you do not want to be sick trying to make it through 50 miles because your riding will go down stream and it's just not fun i've done it once uh had some food poisoning and and still went out on my ride and 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 definitely regretted doing it. <laughs> well, let's recommend get, that. I, I am America's horse husband, so let's get back to yours. <clears throat> so w- was this something you yeah. talked about oh, with them yes, ahead definitely. of time? Or you just uh, uh, pronounced one day, I'm going to uh, get $10,000 out of the bank and I'm going right over to Mongolia? <laughs> <laughs> I think my version of this story would be I talked to him first. He may think... <laughs> differently no i'm kidding no we talked we did talk about it um and the deal was okay if you want to do this ride you're gonna raise the funds and 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 do a bunch of fundraising i've done a um a silent auction at a tax shop out here that's been in business for a uh, hundred years uh next year it's olsen's tax shop in bellevue and um yeah they 
I've had so much support from community. I don't think I would be able to pull this off if it wasn't for them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a, I want to go with you, but we have a nine month old and, and I'm, we're both not really sure about him traveling yet. Although I kind of do still want to bring them both. Um, <laughs> but he's been super supportive. He, he's helped me, um, keep my horse fit after, uh, while I was, you know, going through labor and couldn't ride for, I think it was like four weeks or so after the baby. And, um, I've had tons of support from him and I'm very blessed to have a husband that loves horses and loves to ride and also understands my need to go do it. Cause it is definitely a therapy for me. I, I love getting to go out and just disappear in the woods for a little bit. Well, um, Alex, yeah, I, I, I think, I think I want I think everybody we, to understand we on it first. <laughs> I want everybody to understand how badass you are. So not only Karen, <laughs> not only did she just have a baby nine months ago, but you're also a breast cancer survivor from a couple years ago too, right? I am. Yeah, that's right. I, um, I was diagnosed at 36, um, with, uh, DCIS, which is, uh, ductal carcinoma in C2. So it, it hadn't, um, left the ducts yet. So I was really lucky, you know, kind of catching it that early and, um, <clears throat> kind of went my own route with my treatment. I just I ended up having surgery and the margins were really clean. And I decided to leave it at that okay. because it was on the left side above my heart. And they can't really guarantee that, you know, with um, radiation that you they actually tell you your heart muscle will get radiated, but you shouldn't have any problem with it till later in life. And I just opted out of mm. having to worry about that for now. And, and I just, um, I actually got pregnant a year later and, uh, yeah, so it's been a wild couple of years, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so that wasn't yeah. crazy enough we decided we're going to go to mongolia too so there's that <laughs> it's like <you're>... exactly yeah <laughs> there is that <laughs> i might as well do all the things while i can do them right congratulations by the way for 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 being a survivor there and for also doing this this is just great i mean i thank you you're you're living your dream and uh, you you have a lot of support behind you, so mm-hmm. I have no doubt that you're gonna you're gonna do this. Do they have a winner in this, or is it if you just survive, you're you're a winner? You know, uh, I think both. <laughs> 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 they definitely do like <laughs> daily um, awards and whatnot for, for like best kept oh, okay. horse and sportsmanship and things like that. It this is not a timed event, as okay. far as I know. It's um, it's strictly about horse management. And I think also along with that's going to come a little bit of self-care because you're going to have to kind of manage your own self over 50 miles and make sure you're feeling good and strong and you have the right tools. To, so do to you know how, um, how are you yeah, going to follow the trail? Are you guys going to have GPSs or a marked route? You know, you I'm, know? I have no idea. A lot of the trail I've seen so far is um, kind of open grasslands um so i'm not sure how i mean out here they flag the trail with you know like different colored little construction ribbons so um and we just started using gps um in the pacific northwest for rides which has been really neat uh but i actually i'm not sure how they're going to do this i'm hoping that we'll maybe have mark trail and gps because the two combined are really nice you it's, mm-hmm. it's much more difficult to get lost. It still happens, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I don't think any endurance writer, nobody can say they've never been lost on trail because I, I, I just wouldn't believe it. You know, <laughs> we just really do some bonus do. trail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're going to just add a yeah, mile or two. Exactly. Yeah. Just a little bit more mileage. Yeah, because 50 miles is never enough. So <laughs> might as well add a couple. You know, I think what's sad is you're going to go to Mongolia and you're going to have better cell coverage than we do here in the United States. Um, that's get, definitely going to happen. <laughs> It seems like every country is better. Uh, I agree. I think you're probably, yeah, <laughs> spot on with that one. Well, <laughs> Alex, I did just switch to Google Fi, and I have to say Google's doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck. Have fun with this. When are the dates? Uh, it is August 27th to September 6th. And will you fly over a couple days ahead to get acclimated? or? I am. Yeah, I'm going to fly over a few days ahead. I think my flight out is the 25th. I'll get there the 26th, and then the 27th is kind of an orientation and then and a ceremony. And the next day, we travel out to camp from our hotel in the main, in the capital. And then we'll um, actually have a couple of days of um, getting to know the horses. So it is quite a bit different than the Mongol Derby in terms of we actually get to ride a couple of them and get some instruction from the herdsmen. So it's going to be fantastic how much support we have out there and i was gonna say since you guys aren't covering the mongol derby this year because you're all out of town why not co- cover the gobi desert cup yes i have gotten that request i have <laughs> to the for the end of August. oh have you yes Good. i have <laughs> so we're definitely looking at that for sure were uh, you how will people that's a good question nice, with the mongol nice. derby there's many ways for people to follow they have the look <laughs> We call it following the dots. Obviously, you right. watched it too. Everybody followed the dots. Is there a way to follow what's yeah. happening with this? Mm-hmm. You know, as far as I know, there's not yet. This is still, I think this is the, the third or fourth year that this fundraiser ride's been going on. Um, so I'm not sure if they have that established yet. However, they are It's being filmed this year for a documentary oh, cool. um, about Mongolia and about the ride and about the fundraiser. So um be on the lookout for that i'm not sure when that will come out but it'll be a lot of fun to kind of see it showcased in a a documentary all right don't be that girl okay just saying (laughs) you don't want to be that girl yeah (laughs) (laughs) no good luck have fun with it we're excited and we'll have you on after to talk about it okay we'll have you back i would love to yeah all right thank you too have a great day Okay, that was Alex Lewis. She is from the Upper Northwest, and uh, it's going to be very interesting. Wow, what a couple of years she's had. I know. Yeah, I mean, that's a couple of years. To, to go from breast cancer to having a baby to, the, to, to Mongolia in a matter of uh, three or four years, that's, uh, that's living a life. <clears throat> Good uh-huh. for her. Wow. All right, let's talk a little bit about Renegade Hoof Boots. Then we'll play a song and come back with our okay. next guest. That sounds good. Okay. Well, Renegade Hoof Boots are made in the USA. You can find them at renegadehoofboots.com um, or renegadehorseboots.com. They've also got a news page with tips on using the boots. You can go there and find um, videos and instructions on how to measure, um, how to make adjustments to the boots. Um, they're a big sponsor of the sport of endurance. They regularly donate um, boots to rides, which is great. They gave away boots at the ride I was just at. And everybody loves when they're um, 
able to get a nice price like that at a ride. Um, I use the strap-on boots, uh, the Renegade Classic model. They've got a Viper model, which fits a slightly different shape of hoof. Um, but the strap-on boots have been working really good for me for many, many years. I've done rides this year even where we were in the mud and mud bogs and water all day and had the boots just work um, flawlessly for both of my horses. They're easy to use. Um, you want the boot to be able to go on and off easily. You don't, you know, you don't need any tools. They should not be hard to use. If they're too hard to put on, then you probably um, got the wrong size. So you want, uh, it, you know, if that's happening for you, then by all means, go to their website, go to their Facebook page, just look up Renegade Hoof Boots and their customer service can help you figure out um, what, whatever it is you need in order to be successful while using the boots. Do they have the wires? The wires, they have cables. And but the, then, but the strap in the front's a little different than, you know, which ones I'm talking about that have the wires that you actually cut your fingers on. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but they've they got Velcro um, on the toe strap and on the pastern strap. Right. Um, and they come in several different colors, uh, which is nice for those that do want to match their tack. Otherwise, um, I think several is an understatement. There's like a lot of different colors. <laughs> yes, there are several different colors. Yeah. And uh, in fact, we even when they made the pink ones, I got a set for bow in pink. And uh, we call them twinkle toes. <laughs> I'm sure that poor so horse. Proud. He gets so he's many so names. <laughs> he does. So, but yeah, the boots uh, worked great. We just used them again on uh, the Lagrange Ditch 50, which had, you know, quite a bit of technical rocks, tree roots, uh, water crossings, stuff like that. The boots are great. Very good. And you can find them at renegadehoofboots.com, and you'll see Karen. She's right on the homepage, right there. Climbing a oh, mountain. Cougar yep. Yeah. All right. Let's take a listen to a little Casey Smith from her Country Girl album. This song is called I'm Gonna Fly. We're coming back to talk about disaster preparedness right after this because it's been a few happening, right? A uh, little earthquake and some other things. There's a hurricane or there's a tropical storm brewing in the Gulf right now. So things are heating up and we wanted to get. Uh, a refresher on that. So we have uh, Victoria coming up to talk about that in just a minute. I've always been the shy and quiet type But in my time until the time was right Driving through life with one foot on the brake Missed every chance that I do not take now I'm gonna do whatever I please No, nothing's gonna have a hold on me
tattoo here or there Maybe some crazy thing Not gonna be afraid I'll stand up straight and tall Made up my mind I'm gonna do it all I'm gonna do whatever I please Yeah, no, nothing's Gonna have a hold on was Casey Smith. You can find all of her music at CaseySmith.com. That's K-E-C-E-Y. And that album was called Country Girl. So I have to ask you, Karen, we're going to be talking about emergency preparedness here shortly. What is the worst weather event you ever had at a ride? Um, when we had to evacuate to a shelter for tornadoes, when we had like 10 or 12 tornadoes touched down in the county that we were staying in with the horses. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> that wasn't a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then I guess next rating way up there would be riding with lightning hitting all around us. Mm. Yeah, that's scary too. <laughs> They're both scary. You know, uh, tornadoes, we've talked about this show before. Hurricanes, you can prepare for. You get like a week's notice, right? You are you got time right. to bug out if you want to or whatever. You get time. You know, most events you get time. Now, this particular earthquake, not much time. And tornadoes, not any time. So, right. Or even fires. Yeah, that's true. They were saying, I don't know, 50-some thousand of the people that had to evacuate last year for some of these California fires were never notified. Mm. So, you know, they basically, some of them obviously didn't make it, unfortunately. So that's why it's always really important to have a plan and prepare. And our next guest is, is Vicki Reddy. Yep. Okay, our next guest is Vicki Bielik. She is the author of uh, a plan, prepare, and implement emergency evacuation um, strategies, which is, like we said, it's really uh, important, and we're going to do a refresher. So welcome to the show, Vicki. Good morning. Good morning to both of you. Hi, Vicki. Welcome back. Hey, I got to ask you a question. Where are you from? 
Where are you where are you located? I am from Ventura, California. And so yes, how, how you know, was, we talked last year. <laughs> yeah, I remember. How was uh, the earthquake for you? You know, it was quite roly poly. <laughs> That it was. <laughs> so where were you? It's always you fun know, to hear people's stories. Where were you and uh, what happened? Uh, you know what? I was in the hospital. Really? And, uh, not for me, but oh, for, okay. for my dad. So we were in the hospital and it just kind of, you know, I was watching my dad's bed and then I felt the bed that I was sitting on shake and I kept thinking, oh, wow, I'm not kicking the bed that hard. Ooh. And then we just kind of noticed everything was rolling around and... And, um, but you know, I'm from, I'm from California. I was in the 1994 earthquake in Northridge mm. and I just kind of went, is this going to get bigger? Let's see. I'm on a one story and I'm on a close to a door so I can go outside. I just immediately started assessing what <laughs> we were going to need to do if it got more roly poly. I'm sorry for the background noise. That's okay. So, wow, so, that's scary. You're in a hospital is rolling like that. You have to wonder, you know? Like, well, if I got hurt, at least I was here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a positive way to look at it. They're probably going to come to you first. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what, what are you going to do? You know. <laughs> so was um, I mean, obviously, that's one we were just talking about. Tornadoes is one you just have no time, right? It's on you. The storm's yeah. coming. They give you two minutes warning, if any warning at all, and it's there. And you know, earthquakes is another one. There's not much preparation time for earthquakes. Um, but there right. are disasters that you can prepare for and get ready for ahead, right? Yes, absolutely. And actually, the last two clinics that I did, it was interesting because they hadn't happened yet, but earthquakes did come up. And um, they said, well, what do you do? You have no time to prepare. And so what, I, what I've been talking about is, you know, I talk about the planning portion and how important it is to start planning immediately and get the animals ready and doing certain things before there's ever any kind of disaster. And um, somebody called me and said, you know, we put our emergency kit together. We had everything together in our trailer. We knew where we were going. We, we keep water in there because one of the things I suggest is always keep extra water in your trailers. And, you know, every time I trailer out, I change out my water tank and I refill it. And that way there's always water in it and it's not stale. It hasn't gone bad. So it's just little tiny steps that even when you have a natural disaster that you can't prepare for, you have taken at least a couple steps that are going to help you when you do have to deal with that, like the earthquakes and, and, you know, other disasters where you just kind of go, Oh, it's here. It's just happening right now. So, you know, what's kind of interesting is in 1994, for one of the bigger aftershocks, I was actually on my horse. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. How do the, yeah, that how, was interesting. How do the horses react to earthquakes? I, I, You know, they had stories after this last one about animals reacting different ways, like dogs seem to know and and that kind of thing. Do the horses react? Do they seem to know or not? You know, it seems like some do and some don't. And what I've witnessed is that it seems like the horses that travel more often and and go more places and do more things react a lot less than the horses that don't. Hmm. So I think it kind of comes to the experience of the animals and their natural temperament. I mean, you have some horses that just completely flip out. And you have other horses that are like, oh, are we in a trailer again? Mm -hmm. There's a lot more windows this time. 
<laughs> so it just, I think it really depends. Hey, look at that. It's an open, what is it? Open window trailer to ride. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so, so what do you recommend yeah. for having some sort of ID on your horse or being able to mark them somehow so that, you, you know, your phone number's on there? Well, I keep, there's, there's two different, I do two different types of identification, identification processes. I have the fetlock bands, which I keep on my animals at all times. Those are the Equestra Safe fetlock bands. And they're nylon, but the number is sewn into the fetlock band. And what I do is I have two, one on each leg. And one has my telephone number on it. And another one has my friend's telephone number, a friend that doesn't, doesn't ride horses. And that way, even if I'm out trail riding or I'm gone someplace and something happens because, you know, heaven knows none of us ever fall off our horses <laughs> um, because we're perfect, sure. that, that identification is on there. Yeah, <laughs> we never bounce, but that identification is there and that's on all the time. Now, when you have a natural disaster that you had time to prepare for, there's other steps and other measures like braiding in super bright, super bright ID bands and using the yellow cooking string. And I always tell people to do that. And I tell people to braid that in to the mane. And I have a little video where you tie it at the top of the mane and you braid it down so that it doesn't come loose. And you braid it close to the halter, to the head area. Because if somebody has to handle your horse, it's easier for them to look at that identification and mm -hmm. hold the halter. So if the animal is very excited and you have to look further down the body of the animal, it's harder, it's harder to hold on to the animal. It's harder to control them. And you want to do everything you can to minimize the stress and make it as easy as possible for, say, a volunteer at an evacuation site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they also have something called the ICE, which clips and you have a telephone number and a little, little ID thing that actually will unvelcro off of the clip. I don't do that until the very last minute when I know I'm going to have to evacuate only because it's a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier. Um, but it's bright. It's easy to see. And that's another thing. You put it in your trailer, already filled out, everything ready to go. And if something happens, again, where you don't have time to prepare, you, you, this is one of the things where you grab and go because of you, you've already done everything in advance. Yes. So, and then I know one of the things that's become very, very, a very popular subject is we've been talking about the health of the animals. And when you have disasters where you have some type of warning, even a fire, your warning is that it's going to get really, really warm and it's going to be windy and it's going to be a red flag. And in situations like that, I always tell the large animal owners because, you know, it applies to more than just horses. It's llamas, it's pigs, <laughs> you know, sure. handheld cattle, uh -huh. whatever it may be, that that's the time where you start preparing the animal health-wise. Get them on a probiotic, start supplementing with electrolytes. Because the more the animal gets stressed, the more it's going to affect their internal system. So, and by the time you realize that an animal is super dehydrated at an evacuation site, there's not much you can do. So I always tell people, really take the time when you know that there's going to be a potential disaster, the weather warnings, the tornadoes, that's the time where you start supplementing them 
with things that are going to help them deal with that stress. And so what kind of paperwork should somebody plan ahead for to have um, either in their rig or easy access to? Well, hmm, I keep what I call a portfolio Bible. So it's, it's one binder, three ring binder, and that has all the paperwork for all three of my horses. And I have it separated by tabs. I have a copy of my vet, my vet report. And even if it's old, it doesn't matter. It shows that you're caring for the animal. Mm -hmm. I have a couple pictures of myself with the animal because that puts you together. If there's ever an identification question or ownership question, that's a good idea. I also have Mm -hmm. a copy. Yeah. Yeah. It's important because it connects you and then you can use that um, for future reference if you do need it or anything like that. I have my emergency contact list, which also includes any medical conditions or bad behavior that the animal may may have. And it has a list of three to four emergency contacts. Again, two of them are not animal related. Um, And then I keep actually about four copies of that in the binder because if the animals have to go to an evacuation site, I use one of those to give during the intake And that way they have all of that information on file and can attach it to the intake paperwork. And then I keep a laminated, a little laminated sign. It has a three hole punch in it. It has a picture of my horse with me. Again, the two of us are connected and it has his name, two emergency contact numbers, one being mine, any medical conditions, who his veterinarian is and what his diet is. And that, is has a three hole punch because if the horse or large animal goes to that evacuation site and I keep twine tied to it, all you have to do is tie it on. Or I keep a roll of duct tape in my grab bag in the trailer so I can also tape it on. But that way everything is set up. So when it's chaotic and everybody's panicked, you are less panicked. You're less stressed because you've already taken those steps, which is going to minimize the things you're going to have to think about during that time. It Mm -hmm. says, here's your paperwork. Here's the sign. Get the animal to safety. Here's his identification. Anybody who walks by that animal can see what, what that animal is about. And they see an owner with that animal. So that's, those are like the primary things that I think are really important. You know, my, my binder has a copy of an old Coggins. It has a picture of his chestnut because every horse has a unique chestnut. And that's, it's like our fingerprints. Everybody has a different mm-hmm. fingerprint. Well, the chestnuts are the fingerprints for horses. So I have a picture of his chestnut. I, ha- I actually have like three or four different pictures of myself with my horse. I mean, part of that is so I can use it for documentation. Part of that is so that if I need to look at it, I can go, oh, we're so cute together. Or any of those endurance <laughs> ride photos? I have to ask that. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are, Karen. <laughs> and then they recognize me immediately because I never wear pants. I'm always in shorts. There you go. Now, have you had to evacuate <laughs> any of these recent fires the last couple of years? Well, I had to evacuate from during the Thomas fire. And, and it was amazing because I literally, I practice what I preach. So we got evacuated from our house. We keep our living quarters fully loaded, just like we keep our other trailer. Everything was already in there. And the minute we heard where the fire was, we started moving when the fire was about, I don't know, seven or eight miles 
and I knew which direction it was headed, but we are already hooked up and ready to go. That's part of being aware. Mm -hmm. And when the weather warning started, we'd already started the horses on the probiotics and electrolytes. And they, you know, so we pulled out, we got to the ranch, we got all of the food in there. We got the shavings out of the trailer. We took only one bale of hay only because I didn't want it sitting in the back of the truck. Actually, we took two bales. We put two bales in the um, stallion stall. I didn't want anything exposed because of numbers. Because of fire hazard. Yeah, exactly. So shavings gone, hay put in someplace safe. So there's no access to that. And, you know, we loaded the horses and they're used to going places. They're, they're used to everything. And then we got to the fairgrounds. They were already identified and we put our little signs up on the, on the thing. I handed everybody the paperwork and, you know, it was chaotic, but it was smooth because I practice what I preach. Uh Now, I'm also the coordinator for Ventura County. So, you know, once the horses were safe, then it was kick-in mode and, okay, everybody get together. This is how we need to do intake. And a lot of that was, a lot of the energy during that time was spent calming people down so they could calm the horses down Mm -hmm. and the pigs and the ducks and the llamas and the little mini donkeys (laughs) that loved to kick everybody. (laughs) So we call I don't them, know how those donkeys get their feet so far forward. We we call them zombie donkeys because uh, they, they just <laughs> seem to go after yes. everything. Well, these were <laughs> these were like if they were gymnasts, they would win because they got those feet to kick out so far <laughs> forward. We have no idea how they did it. So, you know, which made it a little bit comical during a stressful time. But yeah, yeah, we had to evacuate and. It made a difference. And the people that had done my clinics, because there were, you know, probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 people there that had gone through the clinics, you know, they walk in with their horses and they're like, look, we're ID'd. Here's our documentation. We have everything together. I mean, a couple ladies came up to me while I was doing intake with some other horses and they were so proud, even with them losing the house. I mean, it was so sad, but they were so proud that they were able to evacuate safely and be prepared. They had all of their supplements together. They just had everything. Everything was ready to go and the animals were calm and they were calm. And that's one of the things I really tell people is that if for no other reason, the more you plan ahead mentally, the calmer you are because you've already done what you need to do and you know that in your, in your mind. So when it does happen, you go, okay, I'm ready versus, oh my God. Now, so I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, Karen. go ahead. Go ahead, Glenn. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I think where most people get in trouble and where most horses are injured or hurt or die is the horses that really aren't touched. I mean, we live in an equestrian neighborhood that, you know, half the horses on these farms in this neighborhood are, are probably never touched. They're not used. They're not ridden. They're, they're just backyard lawn ornaments. And I'm not too sure they would load in the trailer. So, you know, the first thing we always talk about is make sure You're your horse can load. Example. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, those, it, in a, you know, we had Irma come up and I was thinking about all those horses thinking, you know, if we had to have evacuated at that time, it was going to be category five. I'm not too sure you could get a lot of these horses on the trailer. If there was a trailer uh, yeah. to put them on. And unfortunately, yeah. from a volunteer rescue standpoint, the animals get five minutes. And it sounds really bad and it's really harsh. But every, uh, every minute you spend trying to evacuate one of the animals, you risk 
hazard to another animal that may load. And so we will try and we will do everything we can. If we have more time, we will take it to try to get the animals to load. But during an emergency, that's not training time. It's load and go. And you save as Mm -hmm. many animals as you can. And unfortunately, the ones that haven't been trained, that have never left the backyards, those are the ones that suffer. They, They pay the consequence of that lack of experience. Five minutes, okay. huh? I didn't know that rule, that unwritten rule, probably. But you're right. I mean, if you've got to get a lot of animals out and you have limited trailers, you're going to go with the ones that'll load. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly. very sad. And so part very, of the plan sh- should also include finding in advance where to go. Yes. And yes, probably having more than one place. Far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell people for because, you know, clearly we're more at risk for fires. But, if, you know, I have some friends that just moved out of state to an area where um, they're prone to tornadoes and they go down certain. You can never predict what direction they're going to take. No. So in certain no. situations, your hands are kind of tied. But I always tell people that they should have some really good friends in different directions. Like, for example, here in Ventura County and L.A. County, you have the Santa Ana's. Usually, I mean, there's always deviations the fire comes from one direction and blows to the south, sometimes southwest. So you have a friend to the east, you have a friend more to the north, and you have a friend in another location where you set it up, you can help each other if that emergency occurs. And I always tell people it's like being a really good cook. Hey, there's a fire 10 miles to the north of us and it's headed in our direction. I don't know if it will get here or not. Can I bring my animals over for a slumber party and I'll buy you a lot of sushi and filet mignon? (laughs) I mean, bribery really makes sure, you know, bribery is great for getting great friends and making sure everybody will help you. You know, just, you just have a plan. You do it ahead of time. It's like a good cook. It's better to get the animals out of there before the chaos starts Mm -hmm. and not need it than to need it and not have it. Okay. So people have to do things in steps. Otherwise, it seems like, oh, it's too much, right? It's just, I can't do all that. Yeah. Um, that's human nature. Yeah. So one step is to, to buy the book. Where, they, where can they get that? And what's it called? The book is called Plan, Prepare, and Implement. The, it's they all about evacuation planning. And you can find it on Amazon. It, you know, probably the easiest way is to find it by doing a search with my name which is Victoria Balik, B as in boy, E-E-L-I-K. That's the easiest way. And um, if there are communities or areas that really want to get together and do a little clinic, you know, like I, I think I said last time, my job and my goal is to show people how easy it is to take these steps, that it doesn't have to be work, that it can actually be fun. And once they realize that they have more incentive and it's easier for them to start planning. So we've had groups that have gotten together and said, we want to do a clinic, but we're not going to fly you to Colorado or we're not going to fly you to Arizona. You know, a group called from New Mexico and I was like, Hey, I want to go to New Mexico. I'll pay for myself. (laughs) But um, what I do is I, you know, I've offered to send them like a PDF version and then we do a Skype clinic. And that's actually kind of, that's been pretty interesting. <laughs> it's really hard to do a demonstration of somebody writing on your foot when you're on Skype. Yeah. <laughs> the camera goes up and down. <laughs> well, all right. But there, so, are, there are different things. 
Okay, so buy the book is the first thing. So if you were going to give one person or everybody in the audience something they could do today, the first step that they could all do today, what would that be? Get the binder together. Okay. Get the pictures together, get the paperwork together, get the binder together. All right. Yes. Cool. Very good. Well, this is always fun to have you on. Unfortunately, every time we have you on, there seems to be an emergency of some type. Um, so, yes, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know. <laughs> so stop rocking and rolling out there and causing trouble in California. And uh, we'll, be th- okay. we'll be thinking about you. And I wish the best for your dad, too. I hope he's still uh, okay. Well, thank you so much. And you guys both stay safe and enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Bye, Vicki. All right. Thank so, Karen, what would be the what what uh, disasters do you have? Is it fire? Is that your big? Yes, one? we've we've had fires. Um, we also can have earthquakes here. Um, I guess we can have earthquakes anywhere, really. You know, know and also in the valley here, maybe not so much where I live on my neck of the woods, but other areas close to me have flooded. Hmm. So we can have flooding and we can have all the major roads get closed down. So it might not be a disaster that affects us where we live. However, if the grocery stores run out of food. Um, if the power goes out, then you can't fuel up often because um, the gas stations can't take, you know, if they can't take a credit card, um, they have difficulty with the pumps running and stuff. So there's a lot of different you know, ways that you can get into a situation where you're going to have some difficulty taking care of yourself or your animals for an extended period. And that's why whenever we know we've got big storms coming, we make sure all the horse waters are filled up and make sure we ha- we're we well supplied and stocked and everything like that, even though we know we're not necessarily going to need to evacuate or anything, but we're still prepared so uh, we're, I'm going to bring Mike uh, is here from Redmond Equine, and they have this huge, huge mine out there in Utah, I think, right? Isn't it Utah, Mike? Yes. Good morning. Hey, now, uh, I'm actually down at the mine right now. So if we have not, an emergency evacuation, mine. can we just drive our trailers right in there? It seems like it'd be the safest place <laughs> for anything. Nuclear war, uh, hurricanes, any kind of disaster. Go down to that mine. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You may find us down there, but yeah, I think you probably best come down. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You have all the salt you want too. Nothing else to eat, but you have plenty of salt. It'll be fine. Yeah, you can, you can lick, you can lick the walls, you can lick the floor. <laughs> oh, um, and it's a, it's a steady fifty five degrees down there, winter and summer. It's just fabulous. Yes. It's wow. Cool. How deep is the mine at Redmond Equine? So actually, the salt deposit goes down about 4,000 feet, but we right now are at about 600 feet, and we've been mining for 40, 50 years, um, and we mine underground, and uh, there's a a big deposit there, so we're not going to run out. Okay, so what I picture is this little train, like in the old days, uh, that brings it out. Uh, (laughs) Is that what happens? No, um, we have, you know, those big dump, those big dump trucks where the wheels are bigger than you and I are. Yeah. The the mine tunnels are much, much bigger than that. And we drive those down there because we do a lot of road salt and we do a lot of agricultural salt. 
as well as the food salt and the equine salt and the hunting salt as well. So uh, there are different veins in the mine. Some are cleaner than others. The road salt um, is probably the dirtiest. And then, and then we have some agricultural salt, which has got some uh, silica, some um, insolvents in there uh, for our farm animals and for putting on the fields. And then, of course, we choose the best for our horses and for ourselves. The mine is that big that you can drive one of those big dump trucks down in it? Oh yeah! Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, we we have uh, we have grinders for the for the human uh, and the um, agricultural salt, and then we use explosives uh, underground uh, for the road salt just to peel away uh, the rock um, so that we can load it in the dump trucks and and bring it up for the roads uh, during the winter. Wow. That's a big mine. You know, when we think of mines, I think so, about touring up in Pennsylvania, the old coal mines where they were tiny, you know, they could barely stand up. Uh, a little different. Yeah, I'd get claustrophobic in those. They, these are pretty cool because not only is it a really nice temperature, but um, it's it's fascinating to see the veins uh, that you can see in the salt. I want to extend an um, invitation to all your listeners, Glenn. Um, anyone who comes to Utah, and contact me, we can uh, take them for a mine tour. If they just let us know a little bit in advance, we will take anyone who has a horse. (laughs) We're pretty selective. Anyone who has a horse that wants to come and visit the mine, um, either send me, send uh, Redmond Equine a a quick email, maybe a couple of weeks, few weeks beforehand, and we'd love to meet with you and take you down. We're in central Utah in a little town called Redmond. Redmond. So it is Redmond, Utah. Okay, good. Well, that's very cool. Oh, yes. That'd be neat to see. Yeah. Can I drive one of those yeah. big yeah, trucks if I be. come? I want to drive one of those big dump trucks. No. No? Okay. No. No, we can't let you do it. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> now, you said... We'll let you lick the wall. I'll lick the wall. I can lick the wall all I want. So... And it's funny because we take, we take the riders down the mine and we say, you can take a sample home, take a rock home for your horse, and... They take the biggest rock they can carry, and some of these gals walk out of there with a rock as big as a VW. They they really try and get the biggest that they can carry. It's quite funny. You know what? That's one of the cool things, what you said, though, about Redmond Equine's products, is you said we grind it. You actually grind the human stuff down in the mine and then bring it up? Yes, we do. We don't use explosives for the human stuff, and uh, so it's ground down. Um to almost a uh, grind level. It's a little bit bigger. It's, it's um, big enough that you can put in those uh, uh, grinders, you know, on your yep. table if yep. you wanted a slightly yep. larger grain. Um, and, then we, and then we crush it in our mills here for the uh, table salt and the real salt and uh, even the powder that we use for baking um, and those applications. So yep. we have a lot of different grains. We have kosher size as well. And you're not cutting, you're not adding anything to it. You're not, there's no preservatives, there's no anything. This is ground up, put, no. No. bottled or, or right. put in a bag and shipped out. Right. We, it's got all the minerals in there and most salt companies pull the minerals out because they can make more money on their minerals. And what we do is um, we don't add anything. We don't add any anti-caking agent or yellow pressures of soda or anything else that a lot of these salt companies do. We just take it as it is. We don't take anything out of there, and that's how we sell it for our horses, for our 
uh, animals for our humans. You get all the full range of minerals in there. And what's so cool is those minerals are uh, balanced by nature. So whether it's your iron or selenium or magnesium or manganese, it's not only got it in there, but it's got it in the right balance for what your body needs, your, ma your mammals need. And that's where I think we humans still don't understand the minerals, the quantities, the, the right balance for what we need. And, and why do we try and... Why do we try and discover what that is when Mother Nature tell us what that balance is as long as we just take it straight out of the ground? Got it. Well, Karen, you were Endurance News just in an article, right? About you? I was. They asked me to write a story about my horse, Bo. It's been five years since he had colic surgery. And also, it's sort of cool because he did make it to 10,000 miles last year on Tevis. So I got to do a write-up so about cool. him, and they published it with some pictures. But one of the things I think that's helped Bo, and of course, Chief, for the last five years, neither horse has had any colics or any health issues. And they've been on the Redmond Daily Gold every day. And I think that's been really beneficial for him. So I wanted Mike to do, he's here, we're going to do a little giveaway. But also I wanted him to explain to the listeners a little bit about the Daily Gold product and what it does. So the Daily Gold product is a volcanic ash. It's a bentonite clay that actually covered the surface of our mind for thousands of years and prevented all that salt from being washed down uh, a couple of miles into the, into the earth. So that's why our salt deposit is so uh, close to the surface. But we've got this layer of bentonite clay that is pure volcanic ash that's just a, a, a remarkable proprietary product that um, has um, uh, all the benefits of a good buffer. Uh, a good pH. So it's actually got a pH of nine. So what it does, it helps buffer the stomach of the horses and humans um, and helps prevent ulcers and helps solve and resolve ulcers if they have them. It buffers the acid in their gut. And I think what, what the huge benefit is, first of all, the buffering perspective. Secondly, it, it binds with toxins that, the, that might be in the horse's gut and it binds those and pulls those out. So it can really help with, um, if your horse has got diarrhea or the runs, it really helps balance their digestion, gives them all the minerals that they want, and it, and it uh, uh, solidifies their stool. So it is a great product. I've got an Arabian as well, uh, Karen, and um, he gets really anxious. He gets really stressed. Sometimes that results in soft stools or anxiety or whatever. And the Daily Gold every day just is a winner for him. It's mm -hmm. not only natural, it doesn't test with FEI, and it is, it is a remarkable product. Great for humans as well, by the way. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to do a giveaway. We're going to have um, listeners, we're going to give away five prizes of Redmond products. You need to go to the Redmond Equine Facebook page. And, um, Mike, you wanted them to just leave a sentence saying um, why they use your products? No. So, or, so, so the premise here is we're going to ask them, why, why do you ride? And okay. just one sentence answer, well, why do you ride? Great. And okay. It's easy. And the, the, actually, it's not as easy as you think because when you've been riding for 30 years, for one sentence, you have to really think, okay, why am I doing this? Uh -huh. But the whole premise is that we as a company, um, 
want to try and help your horses be healthy so that you can go out and do what you want to do with your horse, follow your passion. We want to enable you to be able to do what you want to do. And we'd love to hear from you on, on what that is. Why do you write? Okay. You know, everybody writes for a different reason. And if you, if you just give us a sentence there, why do you write? And put hashtag HITM, we'll choose five, um, the best, the most amusing, the most interesting, and uh, we'll, send, we'll send those prizes out. So That's go awesome. to the Redmond Equine Facebook page, uh, answer the question, why do you ride, and then hashtag hit them, H-I-T-M, for horses in the morning. And yeah. uh, you'll pick yes. five winners. That'll be great. Yes. All yes. right, very good. Well, thanks, Mike. I love we'll what you guys it. do. You guys do. Yeah, you guys do such a great job. We love you. Thank you so much. All right, and I'm looking forward to that tour. Make sure I can drive that truck. I want to drive that big truck. He won't Just come on down. <laughs> well, you know, We'd do you have a big you. empty area where I couldn't wreck it? Maybe <laughs> not down into the mine. So, okay. You know what? Uh, no one has asked us to drive that truck. Uh, when I put this phone down, I'm going to go speak to the boys and see if I can get you in that drive. I don't have to come. drive into the mine. So, I can drive around a big empty field where I won't hurt anything. <laughs> That'll be fine. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it's gorgeous down there. We have lots of empty fields. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Take care. Tell me you don't want to drive that big dump truck. I, could I get in it? I guess you would use a ladder. <laughs> I, they have steps, I think, like 55 I'm of them sure getting up there. <laughs> Those things are crazy huge. <laughs> I oh, didn't realize, gosh. you know, every mine I've ever heard of has been tiny, not like that. That's just I know. massive. Well, that's cool. It's huge. All right, so this is what you do, everybody. Go over right now to Redmond Equine on their Facebook page and put answer the question, why do you ride? That is a hard one because, I, you know, 30 years, I don't remember why. You know, there's a lot of people uh-huh. go, why do I ride in the first place? Um, and then put hashtag hit them. And then what was the prize pack? It's going to be daily gold. Is that what I'm say? not sure. Mike usually does a really good job of sending out an assortment of stuff. stuff. And it usually weighs about 85 pounds. Are, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're really happy to get the, the prize packages with all the goodies, all the Redmond goodies in it. So do that today. I think, uh, I don't know when he's picking, but I, it's probably going to be in the next couple of days. So definitely get out and do that today. That'd be fun. Yes. All right, Karen. So- yeah. We have coming up uh, the Tevis, August 17th. And so far, there are only 52 people signed up on the entry page, really? which is really down. I think people were just slow getting their entries in. Well, so, it was delayed this year, too, right? It was. It was delayed a month. And um, I think a lot that's of people of in our region or yes, have or had whatever. a slow start getting conditioned. So everybody get your entries in if you're you know, on the fence. All right, very good. Are you going? I don't know yet. Yeah, you never know. Uh, about ten minutes. I don't before. think I am. I don't think. I don't think <laughs> you I'm did it going. last year. I did it last year. Yeah. So mix it uh, up. Yeah, I might. I'll probably go up there. Uh, you know, to do some. You know, helping or crewing or something because it's so close to me. I'm lucky in that regard. Yeah, you don't have to drive 12 days to get there. <laughs> so, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's a big event for those that are coming from across the country. Well, there are lots of rides all over the country. Check out the AERC, that's a uh, American Endurance Ride Conference, online for the ride calendar. You can go to aerconline.org to find those. Uh, also, check out the clinics page. There are several endurance clinics popping up 
all over, including the Endurance 101s if you're a beginner. So check that out. You can find Karen at karenchatton.com, her website. And of course, you can find the show notes for today's show at horsesinthemorning.com. We want to thank our sponsors. Of course, uh, we have always had Distance Depot. She's been on since the beginning. I mean, since we started doing this. And also, Renegade Hoof Boots has been on since the beginning as well. So we appreciate them. We'll be back here tomorrow. Jamie will be back. We'll have another episode of Horses in the Morning for you at 10 a.m. Eastern. And then we have a Mary Kitzmiller on Thursday. And then really bad ads on Friday. Get your ads into Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Thank you, Karen. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you.